Welcome to Feed Me and Tell Me I'm Pretty, the podcast by two everyday women sharing their health and fitness journey, observations, frustrations, and curated content. Warning number one, there will be cursing and material not meant for children. I mean, it's barely meant for adults. Warning number two, we're not doctors or nutritionists or personal trainers or scientists or gurus. We're just regular folks like you. Always check with your physician before starting any new eating plan or exercise routine or spiritual journey. Let the awkwardness begin. Hello, I'm Hillary. And this is AJ, the nice one. Still not true, even 30 episodes later. <gasps> 30, AJ, can you believe it? That's right. It's our big 3 Oh my gosh. And like we- not only is it our big 3 but oh, I can hardly breathe. Oh, oh. Jazz hands. Oh my God, we have a Someone has agreed to come talk to the two yahoos that run this thing. Can you believe that? <laughs> Nobody is ever going to believe that. They're going to think we're doing voices. That's right. Exactly. We, 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 we've developed a new trick and we, we're throwing our voices. But no, we do. We really have a guest. So, so let's introduce her, shall we? Let's. All right. We have on the show today to talk about, again, intuitive eating, which is a topic that we hit on, I don't know, like, what, two, three-ish weeks ago or so. Mm -hmm. And so we have Dr. Maggie Landis with us. And I am reading this Dr. Maggie Landis straight from your website because it makes me laugh. Uh, Your (laughs) obligatory professional introduction that says you are a board-certified practicing physician with nearly two decades of clinical experience caring for children and their families. Is this accurate? Dr. Maggie well, Landis, that, describe you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think I've seen that somewhere before. Yeah. I think you wrote it or something, maybe. It's it's almost as if I did. Right. <laughs> well, thank you for the introduction. Thank you for being here. We are so excited. We can't even function. And we can barely function as it is. So, but oh, you know what? I y'all y'all bill yourself as being introverts, but I'm not so sure. I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I I think the jury's still out on that one. Jokes on you were heavily medicated and probably drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I am definitely on something right this minute. Oh, <laughs> uh, so we are here today to talk about intuitive eating. Um, and you have you've got you've got some experience in this area about intuitive eating. <laughs> well, yes. I do. I do both personally and professionally. And the part, uh, I, I'm a pediatrician. I've been a pediatrician for, as my uh, you know bio you just stated, a couple of decades. I'm also a uh, master's level public health nutritionist. And so I have that background as well. But let me tell you what, being a 44-year-old woman who grew up in the 1980s and 1990s probably has given me more life experience in the world of dieting than any formative education. I think any of us who are middle-aged women could write our own books on dieting. And yes, it would many just have called, actually. Yes, many have, that's true. true <laughs> there story. are a lot out there. I have a stack next to me. Yeah, it would just be well, called, called Dexatrim and Tab. That's, that's right. Well, you know what, though? I think it just speaks to how completely pervasive this is. This is not, um, this isn't just one group of people or one generation of people or one type of woman. This is, this is pretty much the whole kit and caboodle. If you have been alive in the last 50 years, you've Reach. experienced diet culture, period. True that's story. it. Reach. So really where I, where I am professionally, I I work in the anti-diet space because I want to, I had to leave clinical practice because there's a whole lot of problems with diet culture in clinical practice. Yeah. That's a whole other episode. You'll have to have me back. (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But, but you know, the thing is that it's uh, people are relying on health professionals to be giving them objective, unbiased truth. And one would hope that would be one what we would hope we going to the, to the and doctor. And so I for. feel like, right. When you're wearing the white coat, you know, whether you're a doctor or a dietitian or whatever, you're sort of like held to a little higher level of accountability than perhaps someone writing a, you know, a internet headline or a, a op-ed or something like that. But when we are all so heavily influenced by diet culture, it is a beast to unravel because it, it's almost, it's like the matrix. Like you can't even tell what is real and what is not <laughs> because it is so you're, you're totally in it. But the, the good news, once you emerge from the matrix, you can't unsee it. 
Is there wow. is there a wow. button in the back of my neck that I can just pull and just exit the matrix and me and right. Keanu Reeves get to go hang out together? That's that's really what I want. That know. would be really cool, especially if it was like a way out of diet culture. But you know, it's yeah. just interesting because we're so steeped in it, we don't see it until you see it, and then you can't not see it. And then it is it's pervasive. It it becomes everywhere. Yeah, so it is everywhere for you. Like what was. When did you decide to ditch diet culture? Like, was there a defining moment or was it just a series of things that happened to you over time where you're like, that's it. Peace out. I'm done. Well, I will tell you where I sort of personally and professionally intersected at that point. You know, I, like I said, I grew up in the eighties and nineties doing all the diets. Just, I mean, it just, it wasn't even called dieting. Frankly, it was just eating because yeah. that's what we did. Uh, it's health. It's, it's eating for health. That's yeah, that's it. I mean, it, we didn't even like categorize it as such because it was just normative, you know? Right. Right. So um, I actually got sick with cancer about four years ago. Oh and I don't, I don't even remember if I had told you this when we sort of met no. ahead of this interview, but I decided when I almost died that I didn't want to almost die again anytime soon. <laughs> I think that's reasonable. That's a, yeah. I think that seems like a been there, have the t-shirt and the scar. Yeah, exactly. So I don't want to die again. (laughs) I was sure that there was a singular, perfect human diet, and I just hadn't found it yet. I had been, you know, I just sort of thought it was out there, and I was going to find it. So a diet that cures cancer and will make you live forever if you just eat. Cures everything, right? Cures everything. I figured. I mean, this is we have a lot of science. We got to be able to figure this out, right? So I started doing a let's call it an independent study. And I'm talking about reading academic journals and stuff, not just like, you know, scrolling Instagram or something. You didn't just hit BuzzFeed articles and you're like, yeah, right, BuzzFeed <laughs> articles. And exactly. Um, but I realized, wow, a lot of this stuff that I've been taught in medical school that I have been repeating to patients for, you know, at that point, like 15 years um, was not even true. Like was, was a shade better than total hearsay. That's horrible. Awesome. Oh my. That's got to make you feel good about your career choice. Doesn't right that make there. you feel good? Mm. Um, mm. We, we know a lot of things, but for some reason we have not allowed the science of nutrition to evolve our practice at all. You know, like we just heard something 30 or 40 years ago and believe it to be this like biblical truth. And then we repeat it for our whole careers. <laughs> Like we don't do that with anything else. You would, you, we don't prescribe the same medications as we did in 1980. We don't use the same surgical equipment we did in 1980, but we're giving the same health advice we did in 1980. That's not okay. That's just not okay. That's not ideal. That is not so ideal. So then I thought, you know, here's what everybody does, right? You doubt yourself. And I thought, you know, before I get too steamed up about this, I better make sure I'm not the problem. You know, maybe I just didn't keep up with it. Maybe it is, maybe it has evolved and I'm the one that's like, you know, left in the dust. I'm just, I'm just behind the times. That's all. It's just me. It's not, it's, me. It can't, it's not you. It's me. Entire industry based on people's health and how they eat and live. It has to be me. Certainly. They made more, it, it would be the easier answer. Right. So I decided to go back to graduate school and get a graduate degree in nutrition. Cause I thought, mm-hmm. okay, I'll just check this out. Maybe the education is different now. And you know, you can't go to medical school twice. I mean, I guess you could, I didn't. <laughs> didn't plan on doing that, but Ouch. I thought speaking of dying more than once. Yeah, I guess you could probably, but <laughs> yeah, but the, the next best thing to me to sort of test this hypothesis was to go mm-hmm. to graduate school with a bunch of people that were going to become dietitians. I thought, okay, I'll do that. Seems legit. Wow. Makes sense. Makes sense. And plus, you know, I I'm like one of those Enneagram types that just does that kind of stuff for fun. Um, same, same. Yeah. It's like, Oh, graduate school. That's my new hobby. And, uh, it's an expensive one. <laughs> I should have picked up, picked up knitting or even golf. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so when I went back to school, you know, and this now is only four years ago, I was horrified because it wasn't me. It was the same crap. It was the same stuff. I mean, I have textbooks that were published in 2000 and, you know, 16, 17 have the food pyramid. Remember the food oh, pyramid? Wow. No. Yes. No. Yeah. So this is. Eat- you eat seven to 11 servings of grain every day. I don't yeah. know. Oh, yes. I mean, you know, but this just is just a, a atrocity that right. we, yeah. uh, so then I, now I'm fuming. So I finished my degree <laughs> because I'm the kind of person who doesn't quit graduate school in the middle. See, you got a spike degree. You didn't just get a nutrition degree. You got a degree in spite. <laughs> right. And so now I'm like, where can I put forth my energy to disrupt this narrative? And so that's what I'm doing now. I, I am a 
health coach for women and I help individual women, but bigger than that, I really want to change this whole conversation so yes. that, you know, I mean, my, I have a daughter who's 13 and I hope in 30 years, she's not on somebody's podcast talking about diet culture. Like oh I would just, I hope it's Please over. Let it end with us. Please let it end with us. <laughs> I mean, I hope, right. There's yes. hope. The fact that this is even a conversation, it gives me hope, but that's what I want to do is just amplify this into the ears of everybody, particularly middle-aged women who have done what we have done, spent their entire life using up all their emotional bandwidth and their time and their money to try to shrink their bodies in the name of health. On this roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's what really gets me fired up. Let me be clear. I'm not against somebody doing a diet. I'm not against the people selling a diet. It's a business. After all, it's a free market. They can sell whatever they want. The problem is when it is branded and sold as health, when that is not actually the truth, that bothers me. That's what, that what inflames me greatly is that, you know, the general population is relying on quote professionals to give them reasonably well vetted information because we just can't all know everything. No, and we don't. And a lot of us, no matter how many magazine articles we read or PBS specials we watch and then subscribe to and buy the videos and the DVDs. Not that you're speaking from experience. (laughs) Not that you would know about that, right? (laughs) Yeah. So I just feel like we have a responsibility for people to know what's going on. And then if you still choose to go on a diet, that's okay. I'm not mad at you, but at least you're doing it with some clarity as to what you are going to exert yourself doing. Yes. It's, a, it's about a choice, right? So if we yeah. decide that, yeah, we want an aesthetic or whatever, that's fine. We're going into it with our eyes open. We know someone is making a buck off of this or whatever. Right. But, you know, 999 out of a thousand people I hear from are doing it, doing diets for, quote, health. Right. And because that's the socially acceptable thing to say. You don't say, I'm going to do it because I want to look good. Because <laughs> people will go, oh, you're vain. Okay, whatever. No, you say that because I want to be healthy. I want to. Right. Well, and the truth is they don't even really, they don't even work. Like weight loss focused diets, you know, this, the data shows that they have a very, very, very low long-term success rate. And there's a reason that the information the diet companies show is three months later, six months later, because that's the only data you would show that would even make your product look slightly yeah. you know, favorable. Right. You never see a, a testimonial that says five years later, because five years later, they're still on the same diet and they're losing the first 20 pounds that they lost the first six times that they tried the diet when it worked. <laughs> right. And so certainly we have bigger, longer term goals than three to six months. I mean, frankly, if I've only got three <laughs> to six months left, screw this whole thing. Oh, I'm yeah. going to go, you know, I mean, I, I got I got to go time. to Chick-fil-A right now or something, you know? <laughs> So, you know, it's just a matter of honesty. It's really integrity and honesty is all I I think people deserve. And, you know, make your own decisions. Right. But I know you all have tried, the two of you have tried intuitive eating or sort of on this intuitive eating, uh, you're dabbling with it. We're dabbling. (laughs) That's what we're doing, right, AJ? We're dabbling and we are trying to repair our relationship with food, with ourselves, uh, I think we've said we're trying to get off the crazy train of, you know, losing, right. gaining, restricting, binging, um, coping, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. And you know what? That's terrible for your health. Honestly, that that yo-yo cyclic yeah. kind of thing is terrible. Like that's actually about the worst thing you can do is to jack up your metabolism by confusing it, whether you're feasting or famining and whether you're gaining weight, losing I just weight, like this, guessing, you know, you might get some food today, body. You might not. I don't this, know. I just, like, I don't want you to get highly labile state. The body doesn't really like that. You know, the body no. thrives on, um, consistency and predictability and safety does not like labile crazy, as you say, crazy train, you know? So yes. I think we need a Pull over the crazy train. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the benefits on, on the that, <laughs> that I've been uh, getting from this, this new way of eating, this intuitive eating, listening to my body, following the, the, um, the book that um, we recommended and uh, we read um, and you recommend that as well. What, what, remind me what the book's name is. Well, the book, intuitive, here, 
intuitive eating. This is how easy it is. It's called intuitive eating. And it's by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch, who are the registered dietitians who wrote it. Get this. Did you know it was written in the 90s? Did you know that? Yes. Yes. But what I mean, I did not hear. I don't think I heard about intuitive eating until maybe 10 years ago. Yeah. So I don't well, know where this was my whole right. life. I mean, even, I think probably at the time when I started to lose weight, even if I had said like intuitive eating, I'd have been like, bullshit. I have been intuitive eating myself to this point. This is intuitive. <laughs> this is intuitively eating. So I don't know what you're selling, but I don't Yeah. Know. I mean, just think about that. I think about that all the time that as, as Countercultural as this conversation is now, mm-hmm. think about in the mid '90s when they were doing People this. Must they, have just, yeah, I'm surprised yeah. they burned the book. Honestly, I know. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. From what I understand, um, uh, Elise and Evelyn weren't even really invited to present this at their big national dietetics meeting that they have every year until maybe about five years ago. So that's crazy. Oh my gosh even in their own profession. And then what I heard is that when they did, of course, the room was like standing room only packed shoulder to shoulder because people could were it's revolutionary. The idea is so the time was right. Different. And I'm just thankful that they were, uh, you know, committed enough to keep, keep with it, keep putting it out there, keep uh, Keep banging the drum until somebody heard it enough to stay on. Yeah. But that's the book. Yeah, I do recommend that book. And I know that's the one you all have read. That's like the 101 start there book. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, speaking of the 101, if we if we have listeners who want to try this, is that where you recommend um, they start? How do how do we get our listeners in a place where they know what they're doing and they um, are started down the right path? What are some right. things that you recommend? Well, uh, so if you are a reader, that is a good place to start. Um, there's of course podcasts, there's social media accounts to follow and stuff like that. But if you want to really do it sort of organized, that book is a really good starting place. And even, uh, you can order separately, which I did not, but there's a workbook that goes with it. Mm-hmm. If you're like got it. workbook kind of person, that's not really my style, but for some people that is, um, you know, and the main thing to remember when you start with that book is that it's not another diet because the mistake people will make Cause it's written, there's like 10 principles in the intuitive eating framework and people will read this and think there's like 10 to do list items and you do one and you check it and you go to number two and then you check, well, they've just made it the intuitive eating diet. And yeah. even the authors say in the text, I know you all read this where it says like, listen, we had to number them. It's a freaking book. Like we, we can't just have like one big 300 page run on sentence. There has to be like some, <laughs> there has to be structure, structure, structure thinkers, right. and we need structure. You have to give me right. a I mean, there list. are just chapters because it is a book. Here's where you start before you even get the book. Okay. okay. The, the number one overarching principle of the entire whole thing is that you are going to start making the decisions. You are going to make decisions about what, when, how much you eat based on what you want, not what somebody else tells you, not what the app says, not that your Apple watch is binging or the book said or whatever. (laughs) Um, And that underscores the whole thing. And then there's lots of other sort of nuances to it. But the bottom line is think about, you know, and I just encourage your listeners. So think about the last meal you prepared and when, while you're cooking or while you're doing the shopping for it, why did you pick those things? Like, it's not just random, right? I mean, you had some decision-making, You right. why you picked that food. It sounded good, or you hadn't had it in a while, or it's a cultural and that's dish good. for your, or something okay, like that. Okay, and that's great. And those are great reasons. Those are good. Right. See, I can tell you're doing your homework, because those are good. <laughs> I know. might follow a lot of intuitive eating social media accounts these days. I might. Yeah, <laughs> if, you're, if your answer to the why question is, because I'm supposed to have this many blah, 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 or because I ate this yesterday, I have to eat this today or because I went to the gym or didn't go to the gym or whatever. Oh yeah. So it's the, you got to really examine the why and make every single interaction with food its own experience. So we're not a big bank account. You know, we are not like I, we divide up all these diet plans, these sort of 24 hour periods of time where I can have this many macros or this many calories or whatever. Like, do you really think that the inside of your body knows the damn difference between 1158 PM and 1201 AM? And all of a sudden there's like some hard restart and everything starts over and nothing counts anymore. I mean, it would come be on. great if that happened. Can I somehow figure out? No, it does. The, you know, your body is working 
minute to minute to minute to minute all the time, regardless of if you care to understand it or want to understand it or put any effort into understanding it, it's happening. It's happening. So there's nothing magic about one meal, one day, even one month. I mean, it's just, it's not. And so you don't get like credits and deposits for, well, I ate, I ate this. And so I can skip the gym or I did such and such. I can do this. Like, it's not like that. Your, your body, your organs, they don't, they don't see that, you know? And so that's a good way to start too, is if, you know, just to start by eliminating this, I call it transactional thinking, but just kind of it is. It is. It's a, it's a, I worked out. So I get to, I mean, we have joked about that and I probably will still continue to joke about it just because I think it's funny, but the, um, I work out so I can eat more and, the, <laughs> and it's a total transactional thinking, but it right. also, it, it's just, yeah, it's just a, you know, like, oh, we went snowshoeing that burns. And that's the thing too, is that we have become to the point where we know how much an hour of snowshoeing burns X number of calories because we've been doing this so long. And so I was like, well, then I right. get the burger and the beer instead of just one or the other, instead of just, but you know what the cool, here's the cool part. The human body is so much cooler than high school algebra and we are way more <laughs> <Thank> complicated. <God. laughs> yeah. I Thank love God. that. Yeah. I, you, you said that in your podcast and I just fell over laughing. That so is hilarious. We try to make this like one big algebra problem and you're constantly balancing one side of the equation with the other. And while that looks pretty on paper and is very nice for algorithms that are built into these apps and stuff, it's not how the body works. Yeah. So it, it, when we can kind of um, just come to terms with that and let go of that thinking then even just that alone relieves this huge burden of having to do this giant human math problem every time yes. you open your mouth. Every every time you open, every time you want to eat something, every time you want a snack, every time you want a meal, having the idea of having to do algebra, <laughs> gross, no, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I found that so freeing when um, I got into the when I started doing this intuitive eating. I don't have to save wrappers to take pictures of the food and do the calculations <sighs> and enter everything I eat into the app. I just, you look like a, you're like a crazy person. You've got like, you know, the, the, uh, the, the barcode and you're scanning <laughs> it with a phone. Like you're at the grocery store paying for it again, you know, like some, right. Ago. And then, well, and then if you go to like, you go somewhere else. And I remember being in my deep in my diet days, like if I went somewhere else where somebody served food and I had no way to know what was exactly in it, I'd like come unglued in my head because what am I going to put in my app? I don't even I know. know what's in here. I don't know how much is in here. I don't know. How and many so you, potato chips did I eat? I don't remember. I forgot to count. <laughs> you really do like avoid a lot of social situations yeah, and really limit, limit things because you are obsessed, obsessed. And I say that with empathy because I was obsessed in the past. Yep. Or okay. you're just, when you're at a social, um, a social situation, you become a miserable person because you're thinking, I ate a potato chip. Now I have to go to the gym tomorrow morning for this much longer than I normally go. Or, you know, you just, you're hating yourself, that shame. You're freed from that shame when you're not using this, this way of thinking of this, this transactional way of thinking. That is true. And there's also this real um, elitist, we call it sort of healthism and people that are deep, deep, deep in that, they like to talk about this. Did you notice that everybody likes to talk about what they're eating and what they're logging and health? I just worry about how healthy she is. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. No, you don't. You just no. want to judge her for being whatever size that she is or is not. You don't care about her health. Yeah. You want to be judgy. It's very tricky to get around these conversations because it's just people that are obsessed with this. This is their reality. This is their identity. And this is what they want to talk about. This wow, is what they want yeah. to put on you. This is what they, it's just, and, and people lose friends over this when they stop dieting and they just can't deal with it anymore. Cause so what do you have to talk about? Yeah. Right. You may not have yeah. nothing, really have nothing in common with that person, except for all this diety stuff that you shared. And then it's yeah. sort of not interesting anymore. That's so, so depressing. depressing. <laughs> yeah, that's depressing. But it's, 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 yeah, it's true. Uh, it's, it's sad when you have built an entire personality around macros and well, and that yes. it is, it is sad. And say, I don't want anybody to feel guilty or beat themselves no. up or be shamed about this. But the idea is like, the sooner you stop doing this and get out of this mindset, the sooner you're going to be able to really unlock the rest of your life and not yes. feel so boxed in because the highest priority item to you is sticking to a diet. Right. You know, you just, you miss a lot of life. Uh, yeah. Uh, of a, so life that is incredibly short. 
um, and already difficult. And you now you're missing out on relationship building or just enjoying it or being in the moment or eating foods that taste good to you or eating foods that are important to you or have cultural significance or whatever. Right. Just so you can hit a number on a scale or a pant size or whatever. Um, and speaking of that, so I think both AJ and I, when we first started intuitive eating, <clears throat> struggled with either the possibility or the reality, at least for the first couple of times that I started intuitive eating is that there is a likelihood that you will gain weight. And if you have spent your entire adulthood trying to avoid gaining weight, like it is the plague, like a literal plague, uh, that's a real mindfuck to suddenly yeah. say, now everything is okay, but it's possible that you'll gain weight. So what, like, how do you help people kind of overcome that? What feels like, I think at least to us, that first big hurdle. Right. Well, okay. So the first thing is to just validate that feeling because yes, of course, everybody's afraid of gaining weight because we collectively as a society have made fat on your body, a bad thing to have. And a, you're basically a lower class citizen. If you gain weight or are quote overweight or whatever it is. So, um, I see why you feel that way, why everybody starting this feels that way, but at the bottom line, if we're really doing this for our health, then let's talk about our health. Okay. And the truth is, as you improve your health and learn how your body works and learn how to feed it, you may gain weight, you may lose weight, you may stay the same weight, you know, and it, we have to accept there is some body diversity in human people. Beings, right. We are not, we cannot all be a size six and weigh 120 pounds. No. Okay. Of everything. And we won't yeah. even do that. Even if we had some crazy experiment where we all ate the exact same thing, it wouldn't right. happen. You know, it's the state, like you can't, if you're short, you're not going to be tall, yeah. you know, not everybody <laughs> has never everybody's blessed with abs or, you know, right. And so we have, a, there's sort of two parallel things. The first thing is understanding where those feelings are coming from and having a little space for yourself and really uh, drilling down as to why you fear gaining weight. I mean, mm -hmm. is it, is it really your, you fear social rejection or is it just really practical? Like, gosh, I don't have money to buy new clothes or, I mean, you know, it could be a lot of different things and there's sort of a different answer to whatever the thing is, but to really be clear about where that sort of fear is seated in. The other thing to know is that it's not, it, your weight will still probably fluctuate as you work this out because this is not like you read the book, you shut the back cover, I'm an intuitive eater and here we go. <laughs> what? That's what I signed up for. I know. That's exactly wow. what I signed up well, for. Well, you didn't buy the workbook, so what can we say? <laughs> See, I told you, you should have bought the workbook, Hillary. Wow. <laughs> I'm feeling you know, I came here for a good time and I'm feeling very ashamed right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and so there's this, I call it kind of like the honeymoon. Some people call it like the spring back, whatever. It, when you have been restricting, 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 mm -hmm. and then you allow yourself to eat, there's this initial period where the pendulum kind of swings the other way because your body doesn't know what's going on. Your body doesn't know to trust you. You are now eating things that you have made off limits for potentially years or a really long time, uh, it is highly likely that you'll not be cued into satiety and fullness immediately. And you may overeat some of this stuff that's been out of your life forever. Forbidden. <laughs> yeah. But that all settles itself out. The, the problem, and this is like what the mistake that everybody makes is they feel that the first you know, I can't tell you how long that lasts because it's sort of mm -hmm. different for everybody, but they feel that kind of um, wild, uh, unrestricted, like, what do I do with no rules? It's like having the security blanket taken away and they mm -hmm. panic. And mm -hmm. so then they say the answer is to then go on another diet because yep. they can't, they yep. want control. They want control. Obviously, this intuitive eating thing is not for me. It didn't work. I gained weight. I better go back to diet, diet, diet culture, diet mentality. Right. Well, so, and it always works. Here's the tagline. It always works because we are intuitive eaters. Humans are intuitive eaters. We just are, we are. So if it's not quote working for you, you're not fully understanding how it works or what you're working towards. Cause, yeah. cause it, it won't work if your goal is weight loss. Cause that's called dieting. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, but that, uh, that initial uh, like honeymoon period is the word I'm going to use is panic inducing for many people. They kind of freak out. And if you, if you tell me to stop dieting, I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to go drive through Dunkin' Donuts every morning on my way to work and get a whole row of crullers or whatever. Okay. No, you won't. I promise you won't. If you're doing intuitive eating, you really won't. Now you might, you might at some point do that, but I promise you're not gonna do it every day because if you're listening to what your body needs and what it feels like when you plow through a dozen crullers, you're not going to do that too many times, but the reason you're not going to do it is because it doesn't feel good. It's not because you're not quote allowed to have donuts or blah, 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 too much sugar, whatever. It's when you start listening to your body, your body wants to be healthy, really, truly with rare exception, the body wants to be healthy. And we just got to like lean into that a little more instead of thinking that we're going to outwit, outsmart and outplay it because (laughs) you're not going to. I mean, and and we've proven that if you, you can take my word for it, or you can just use your own anecdotal experience that you've gone on, off, on, off. I mean, the bottom line is if diet works, if diets worked, then why are we, yeah, why are we we all jumping around doing different diets? Wouldn't we have already done one? Exactly. And then the industry would have, it would have been bankrupt because we'd have, we'd have all figured over. I appreciate the, I mean, your vulnerability in sharing that because that is a common, common sort of first response to this, I can eat anything is I'm going to go crazy. There's no nutrition. Nutrition doesn't matter. I just do whatever. And that's not intuitive eating. You're not fully incorporated into that if that's where your brain still is. And so if the listeners, you know, kind of like halfway there and they're panicking, that's okay. You're only halfway there. Right. See, and that's the cool part of it. When you are really allowing any food it becomes this really open-ended, curious, intelligent, fun experience instead of rigid and punishing. Right. And then you just, um, you know, you don't judge it. The the key part is whatever decision you make, whether you're eating a salad or a donut in that minute, that it's over. Like that's one discrete eating event and you don't need this like emotional baggage about, you know, that's where we really do ourselves in all the guilt and all the shame. Well, I ate one donut and I'm a failure, so I must eat all the donuts or I might as well eat the chips too. And that's what I found is when I took that away and when I stopped, when I took all those restrictions away and that transactional thinking away that I was now eating because I wanted an end result of, I don't want to feel bad after I finish eating. I don't want the shame or that stomach ache because I ate too much of this or that. I want to be healthy you know, I want the nutrition. I need to, you know, eat these things for, to feel good or for, because I'm hungry, because I want to. And that was so I want energy or whatever. Energy, yeah. I want to feel good later. Well, you can start like experimenting around in the kitchen a little more, Mm -hmm. you know, and and become a more comfortable home cook and really, I mean, because you, everything, everything's available to you now, you know, everything's available to you. So you start learning stuff and, and, I mean, let me tell you what, <laughs> vegetables are a heck of a lot better if you allow yourself to use butter or oil. Oh my God. Everything oh, is better if you allow yourself to cook it with butter. Everything. Goodness. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, it's so yeah, funny. You yeah. talk about the, um, you know, being more free in the kitchen. My husband, he's always, his, his questions are, are we eating bread or not eating bread? Um, which kind of bread are we eating? Are we, are we frying <laughs> things? Is butter okay? Is it not okay? <laughs> I feel so bad for him sometimes. Like, cook what you, you want. I'll like just PTSD. eat whatever you, whatever. I'll right. Well, because the rules, the rules, the diet rules change about every 14 and a half seconds. So yeah. I'm sure his head is spinning because, you know, one day we're supposed to all eat plants and the next day we're supposed to all be carnivores and then we eat eggs. Don't eat eggs. Drink coffee. Don't drink coffee. You know, yeah. it's like, oh my word, for Pete's sake. It's it's exhausting and we're pouring so much time and energy and emotional, you know, bandwidth into this. It's just, it could be, we, we probably could have solved peace in the middle East if we weren't. We all totally could as a group, just, man, if, if we had spent that much time and effort doing anything, anything else, yeah. you name anything. it, yep. we, it'd be a different society. For, so for people that have a legitimate uh, eating disorder. So anorexia, bulimia, like people, obviously you got to get professional help. This is not 100%. Though eating right. disorder is a mental, 
uh, health condition. It requires a multidisciplinary team of medical professionals, you know, psychiatric professionals, all sorts of things. So if you think you or somebody, you know, has an eating disorder, buying the intuitive eating book and doing homework is not, that's not, not the next step. Dream, but for people, like I think both AJ and I would say that um, there is definitely still a part of us that we use eating as like a coping mechanism as a self-soothing. So most people have a drug of choice, you know, whatever ours is food. So if we get stressed out, we may go eat. Now we may not binge, but we may eat more than we meant to. Right. Well, and emotional eating is a major thing like that. That's, that's sort of an issue that a lot of women in particular always are like, that's my deal. If I could figure that out, I'd be golden. And the couple things to know about emotional eating is that eating is supposed to be emotional. Like where it, the whole process of eating, preparing food, sharing food, eating food, it's culturally and socially emotional. It's also physically emotional. Like it releases serotonin and dopamine and stuff in your brain. And I'm not just talking if you eat chocolate, I mean, any food really, frankly, to a degree, because it's a pleasant experience. It is a pleasant experience to eat something, especially something you like. Yeah. And this is biological. This is like a programmed into our biology because our prehistoric caveman ancestors, they had to have some motivation to leave the cave and risk their life to go get food because see you and I don't have to risk our life to go get food. You know, it comes but, right to our door now. <laughs> right. But they did. So they needed a reason to do it because they were, it was not something you just do just because. Just because so yeah. it's really in our biology. So to know that, that feeling that food soothes emotion and food creates emotion, just identifying that that's okay. And you're not going to get rid of that or stop feeling that. Okay. But the answer to how do we handle it, knowing that that's going to be there Mm -hmm. is, you know, usually we're eating either to escape a bad emotion or recreate a good emotion. Right. And so we're not really fabulous uh, species at sitting with bad emotions. We're not. No, 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 none of us. This shit. Why does no one teach you how to just sit with your emotions and what that even means? Like, no, it's just, it's not a place where we want to be, you know, we're, um, anybody, even people that are very highly emotionally intelligent, it's not fun to feel bad or guilty or sad or isolated or whatever the feeling is. So food is like you said, the socially acceptable sort of, uh, distraction from that. I can do a line of Oreos or I can do a line of cocaine. One will get me arrested. One will not. That's right. (laughs) Right. Exactly. I mean, if that's true. So we have to know that sometimes the food is going to be the coping mechanism of choice, but we need to identify other coping mechanisms Mm -hmm. so that we are better equipped to deal with emotional confrontation. Cause we're going to have that we're humans. And so instead of like, Every single bad emotion I turn to the pantry or the refrigerator, I sometimes really want that. And that's okay. And then to not judge yourself for that. But then sometimes when there is a alternate solution to processing your emotions, that's okay. So then it's not such a big deal when once in a while you pick the food as the crutch out of, let's say, half a dozen other things instead of it being the reflex default Every, every time. single time. So it's like you kind of create grace for yourself. So sometimes you may have either the emotional or mental capacity to be like, I feel like shit right now. Uh, I am in a really bad stressed out situation. Uh, I, I don't want to go eat my feelings. I'm going to journal or meditate or go for a walk or just sit here and be miserable for a second. And right. because I have a little bit more mental capacity, I'm, I'm flexing this muscle. I've learned right. some other, I've learned some other coping mechanisms that work for me. I'm going to do that instead this time. And then right. the next time it's like, I don't even have the capacity. I'm going for the Oreos. <laughs> Just and that's okay. And then if you don't judge yourself and beat yourself up, because see, the problem is once you start judging your own decisions, now you're creating more negative emotion. Right. And if your only coping skill is eating, now you're going to be eating more. And now you beating yourself up and then you eat more, beat yourself up. I mean, obviously that's very clear where that ends up. So if you break the cycle by 
just offering yourself like, okay, I mean, it's, I had a bad day at work and I came home and we ordered pizza because I just didn't feel like cooking. And I, my boss yelled at me or whatever. Okay. Then that's it. That's it's the end. It's it, there's like a period at the end of that sentence. That could be a complete sentence. It doesn't have to be this whole and then you don't have to spiral. You don't have to hit wow, this. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you know how, okay. You know how, when you're dieting, you always start on Monday, right? I mean, you always. guys are, you don't, yep. nobody starts a diet on a Tuesday. I oh mean, what God, in no. the world? Monsters maybe, but not us. No, 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 no. So <laughs> what happens the weekend before you're going to start again? I'm Binge. doing air quotes here. You got to, you got to eat everything. And then you're like, oh, I feel bad that I'm doing this, but this will be the last time I'm never, ever, ever going to touch blank again. So go crazy. And it's this like last supper kind of thing. <laughs> and then we feel miserable. We beat each other up, beat up each other up, beat ourselves up. And then, and then we start this restriction and it's miserable, of course. And so now we're guilting ourselves thinking how awful our life is that we're going to eat all this boring food forever and never look like our skinny right. friends. And <laughs> it gets to be Thursday and the stress of the week is piled up. You go to happy hour, the chips are on the table, boom, it's over. It's so then over. you say, okay, you know what? <laughs> it's okay. Next Monday and Monday, I'm going to uh, this time for real. For real. Right. And I speak from experience. Okay. I'm not judging anybody. This is, but we have to just break this cycle. I mean, it's, right. it's comical to point it out because we are all doing it. If yes. there weren't, 150 million American women doing this, it wouldn't be quite so funny, but yeah, we're all doing the same thing. You know, it's funny to talk about it, but it's, you know, it's, it's damaging to be doing it, to be living that cycle. Yeah. Yeah. So what if we just didn't think so hard about food? Like what if we just took the emphasis off? That's really what the intuitive eating does is just takes this, like we think we can, uh, we are the most intelligent creatures and we can outthink and outsmart human biology. <laughs> but you know what? I don't care how many letters you have after your name. Like you're not going to win this one. No. I also love what you said. I think it was on one of your other episodes uh, of your podcast or your influencer podcast that you said, um, let food be food and you be you. I thought yeah. that was brilliant. It's so simple. It's so simple. Like you just, the food has so much power over us when we're dieting. Like this food, which is really, truly an inanimate object is just a thing. It is controlling us. And we don't need that. We're like better than that. You don't need a piece of bread or a banana or whatever, like controlling your emotional state and your life and your schedule and everything else. Just let it, it's just food. And it's sort of like the, the interesting part is once you take the, the um, what's the right word, this sort of like polarization, this magnetizing energy mm -hmm. from it. It's just frankly, not that big a deal. No, it's not. It's not that exciting. It's not that it, it it's just the thing you do to stay alive. You know, it's like drinking and it's, water. And it's, it's okay water to enjoy it. It's okay to enjoy it. And the food is fun. And sometimes it's fun. And sometimes it's just food and it's, you just eat it because you know, it's not, yeah. not, that's the other thing I want to point that out too, is that this idea that intuitive eating, you know, we're in touch with the sensory experience of eating and this and the pleasure of food. And mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that every single time you take a bite of food, it is like a seance or something. No, I mean, but it's not a spiritual experience. Every time I have a piece of sometimes toast. you just, <laughs> sometimes it's just a fucking piece of toast. That's okay. It just That's is. Okay. <laughs> it just so. is. Yeah. And, and, and you don't have to like be worried that you're thinking too hard or not thinking enough or overdoing it or underdoing it or just leave it all alone and think of something else to do with all your brain. <laughs> I mean, like I said, we could really do some pretty great things if we would just pull our heads out of our ass. Yeah, we're giving it way too much uh, power. Way too much. Yeah, yeah definitely. Agree with that. So speaking of power, I've got one more question for you. Um, for, for those women who go to the doctor and they get um, fed this line of, you know, you've got, you, this is wrong with you because you are overweight or you could fix whatever blank ailment if you lose weight. How do you recommend that our listeners advocate for okay. themselves? And that is challenging. That is, I'm glad you asked that because th this is super challenging and I guarantee your listeners have had that experience. I guarantee it. But so I want to just give that as a, uh, you know, caveat that I'm not blaming the doctor themselves because they're sort of stuck in a bad position. But let me, let me say this. There is not a single medical condition, not a single clinical condition where losing weight is the only answer. 
Not one, not a, not a single one of them. Okay. And people say, what about knee pain? What about sleep apnea? What about diabetes? No, no, it is not. There are skinny people that have all of those conditions and you better bet your bottom dollar when they go to the doctor and they're skinny and they have diabetes, the doctor doesn't shrug their shoulders and say, well, I don't know what the hell to do with you. You're skinny. (laughs) I mean, like I promise there are other, other, uh, treatments. There are other plans. There are other things And every person in every size body deserves to hear all of the things. All right. And so now I'm telling you that, and that's easier said than done. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But what, here's a good way to, to frame it is I promise you somebody in a big body, the first thing out of the doctor's mouth is going to be, well, I'm really concerned about your health. I think you should lose weight. Okay. You know what? First know that that is coming. That is diet culture talking. Okay. Don't take that personally. That is the doctor's diet culture influence talking. So number two, we don't need to be confrontational with the doctor. That doesn't usually go well. Uh, So here's something really nice. You can say, I hear that you're concerned about that. I'd like to hear what other things I could do. What are other actionable steps I could take? What other advice would you give a patient in a different body? What I'm, you know, just sort of say, I hear what you're saying. I'll let's kind of table that. Yeah. You don't have to ever come back to it. Hell, you no. say, we'll talk about that. I, I I hear your concern and I'd like to talk about that at a different time, even though you don't really want to talk about it at a different time, just to get them to stop and then say, so what else? Because the bottom line is it's not even working. Okay. Let's just I like even, that. Yeah. let's even mm-hmm. theoretically say that losing weight improved your health, which it does not, but let's just for argument's sake, say that it did. Doctors telling patients lose weight doesn't work. Okay. It doesn't, we, we have been, it's diet culture. Everybody would have lost weight by now. It, it would it, we would have done it by now. We've been saying it for 50 years and it hasn't worked. So if you even think there's some theoretical advantage, which there's not, but even if you did, what we're doing isn't working. So let's think of something else. Let's try something else. And the let's truth is route. your weight is not actionable. You can't change your weight. So when I say that to people, they go, well, yes, you can. I can drink more water. I can go to the gym. I can sleep more. Okay, good, good, good. So let's talk about what you can do. You can sleep more, you can drink water, you can move your body, you can add produce to your diet. Those are actual things you can do. They may or may not change your body shape, but you can't, nobody, none of us can sit here and like will ourselves to be smaller or bigger. No, weight is outside of your immediate control. control. Yes. And so that's the thing that even if you ate 1200 calories a day and exercise for three hours or whatever, you may or may not lose weight based on a thousand right. other factors, but, your but your health will improve. And the, and that right. is what the science shows is that when you take on health promoting behaviors, like moving your body, like drinking water, like sleeping and stress reduction and blah, 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 blah. Um, your health improves no matter what your body shape does, whether you mm-hmm. lose weight or not, the health benefit is still there. That's so, really important. I think that's, that's really, really important. important. Yeah, and I wish really people, instead of these, Damn, before and after pictures. I hate the before and after pictures (laughs) on the internet. Nothing makes me want to throw up in my mouth more than that. Like we should be holding up our poster board that has our before and after, you know, HDL cholesterol or before and after um, bench press. (laughs) Yes. Habits or different habits that you have. You know, before and after the specific gravity of our urine, like something that actually... (laughs) What <laughs> matters, you know, instead of posing that in our be, underwear, a really interesting Instagram picture. I, I don't, I, I, I like to that do one. that. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm just crazy so. enough. I do it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So Dr. Maggie, this has been a great conversation. What else um, do you want to share with our, our listeners or how can they reach you or, or learn more about what you do? Yes. Well, if they, if they want to find me, it's real easy because I'm Maggie Landis MD everywhere. And I'm most active on Instagram and clubhouse, but I also have a Facebook that is Maggie Landis MD. My website is Maggie Landis MD. You can find me. And, and I think in the show notes, you guys can put yes, yep. some we'll put links to my stuff, but what I want to leave everybody with is that it's okay to think differently. All right. It's okay to open your mind to a new idea and do just the next thing to explore that. 
All right. It doesn't mean you have to buy the book, fill out the workbook, you know, sing kubaya. Ten steps, check mark, one, two, three, four, five. Just (laughs) what if, just imagine what if you didn't have all these rules? What if you didn't have all that stress? What if you weren't spending all your money on these diet plans that you keep going in and out and in and out of? Like what, just what would that be like? What would your day look like? What, What would your, I mean, you can be like, what does my future look like? But really, what would your day look like tomorrow? If you like, what would you eat for lunch tomorrow? If there were no rules, you know, just make it super simple and just (laughs) try getting one step closer to that space because it's a process. And that's true. It's helpful to be doing this with other people that are doing this because, you know, find, find a group or a friend or somebody that you can compare notes with. I think because like anything, it just makes it that much more enjoyable, the process, the journey, right. whatever you well, call it. Our culture is going to continue to be diety for the foreseeable yeah. future. You know, I hope it's not forever, but for right now it is. And so when you, you know, start making these changes, but then you walk out your front door and are bombarded with diet culture, if you don't have sort of your wingman, that's going to be ch- challenging landscape to navigate. You know, yes. and so being in community, um, that's why my signature product is a group coaching program, because I really I do some individual coaching, but there's something with a group that is more powerful to me than one on one people, because the conversation is just I don't know, there's so much to be had there. And but I think yeah. there's so much like you, there's so much um, if, if you have somebody that's it, it's different, it was a coach um, and a coachy kind of relationship where. Um, they're going to have a different experience where they're at, but if they can get somebody that's at the same level, that just started this with them, they can compare notes. They can talk about honestly what their struggles are, what they're enjoying about the process, what they have questions about. And then you just get to have, you get to connect, right? That's just the, the human, the human connection. The thing that we're all kind of trying to do is find that, is that find that person or that thing that gets you, that sees you and can relate. Yes. And you can, like anybody can do this. Anybody can do this in any size body at any level of cultural background at any social group, any economic status, you can do that. People ask me like, can I do intuitive eating? If I, you know, get food from a food pantry? Yes, you can, Absolutely. you know, yes. with the food that's in the box that they gave you, like there's, you can do these things. So I don't want to feel like this is exclusive, right? You know, that's the whole thing is that it's really diet culture has made health like this exclusive, yeah. uh, privilege classist kind classist of kind of thing. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be that way. I know that that's what the culture says. I know that that's the message you're getting from everywhere, but that it doesn't have to be that way for any individual person. So, and I'm happy to help anybody, you know, seriously, even just send me a message. If you, you know, if that'd be great if you join my coaching program, but if that's too much of a commitment and you want to just ask a few questions, <laughs> I'm happy to have a conversation with anybody. Awesome. Well, that's Thank great. you so much for being on our 30th episode. We will everyone, for sure have you back and, and talk about more um, topics like this and uh, anything else because this, this was a blast. So thank yes, you. Yes. Thank you for Bye. having me. <laughs> cool. All right. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Thanks everybody for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at F-M-A-T-M-I-P. Say it with me. F-M-A-T-M-I-P. Subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for listening.